Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Aaron Street. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 336 of The Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, I'm talking with lab coach Ryan McKean about the components of a business strategy and how to put one together to create a firm you're proud of. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lawmatics, Postali, Rankings.io, and Text Expander. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. So, Stephanie, as we've mentioned in a number of podcast intros over the last few weeks, this summer in our Lawyerist Insider Facebook group, we've been running a book club, digging into all of the details and chapters of our book, The Small Firm Roadmap. And in today's episode, you and Ryan are going to be talking about the business strategy concepts in that chapter of the book. But I thought in addition to what you and Ryan are going to cover, maybe you could tee up a few other concepts in the book that you two didn't mention. I think one of the things that people maybe lose sight of or it's sometimes hard to grasp is, okay, I've done all this hard work and I'm starting to put it in place and then they just kind of get stuck, right? Or it feels really big. And so one of the things that we talked about in the book that I feel like I talk about every day is this idea of relentless incrementalism. It's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? But it's real simple. It's like do small things and keep doing them and then keep improving them. And then you it's like a circle. That's I guess that's the relentless part of the name. Yeah, and there's all sorts of great thinking and writing about this topic, whether it relates to business growth or productivity or change management. And the idea is you could say we have a 30% growth goal for the year or we want to change X percent of something. And that can feel really intimidating of where is 30% going to come from? Or you can say we want 1% a week. And this week finding 1% feels a lot more manageable. And if you just keep doing that every week, you're going to find the same overall growth. It's a lot less daunting. And I think you have to keep in mind to not be discouraged because there could be that week where you it's 1%, 1%, 1%, and then you hit a week that's just nothing. And so this this other concept that I think comes into play is the idea that growth isn't linear. And so you're going to be doing all this work and you're going to get sidetracked or something's going to happen and you're going to hit a wall or you're going to be in trial. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but you can't give up. You can't stop. And I think that's hard. And actually, I think Mike talked about it on our episode last week. He was analogizing it to weight loss. And I know that I have this self-talk a lot where you're like, well, I gained a few pounds. It's pointless. We're done. I'm going to get off this diet now or whatever it is. And you have to kind of talk yourself through that and be like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I did have a couple of off days, but that's not a reason to just kind of let it all go. Yeah. And another concept we mentioned in the book is around kind of growth mindset and scarcity mindset. And if you're a lawyer who went to law school during the Great Recession or has been really impacted by COVID upheavals or you're sitting on a lot of student loan debt or you've had a law firm job that hasn't gone the way you wanted and so you feel like you're forced to do something on your own or 
whatever your circumstance is, it's really common in this industry for solo and small firm lawyers who feel they have the weight of the world on their shoulders to get trapped in a mindset of there's not enough, everything is zero sum, I've got to fight and scrap to get this client so that someone else doesn't get them or the extra hour. And I think the opportunity to just shift our own mindsets and come at our growth strategies from a place of there will be enough if I do good work can be a huge game changer for a lot of people. Yeah, that's a huge one. And then I guess the final one that we outlined in this chapter of the book is you don't have to do it alone. And in fact, you probably shouldn't do it alone. You need outside help. And there's tons of ways to get help. And so for sure, explore all those options. Which includes joining the book discussion in our Facebook group or give us a call and let's chat about Lawyerist Lab. These are great ways to help you move forward both with our outside help, but also with the support of peers from around the country. Yeah, for sure. We'd love to talk to you. I know we kind of talk about lab a lot, but it still feels like a mystery to a lot of people. I mean, it's such the favorite part of my about my job because we've developed this amazing community of lawyers who are supportive and help one another. And they actually confide in each other and they send each other drafts of like marketing messages and all kinds of things, you'd be amazed or, hey, I think I might need to let someone go. So they support each other. Plus, the you get the addition of our coaches. And we have these amazing coaches have awesome experience and an awesome way to help people think about your business. Sometimes you just need that outside force because you're so in your head about everything. And, and oftentimes, once you say it out loud to us, which direction you want to head, but sometimes we have to help you get there and, and that's okay too. So that's what lab is. It's a community. It's coaching. It's a ton of content to really help you take all these ideas that we're talking about in the small firm roadmap and that we talk about on the podcast each week. And it's like, how do you take that from idea to implementation? So if you're feeling stuck or you're feeling lost, we'd love to have a call with you. We'll make sure we drop a link in the show notes this week, or you can go to the website and go to the community page and learn more, but just have a call with us because we'd love to just discuss what that could look like for your firm. So now we have a brief sponsored conversation with Zach and Lawmatics and then Stephanie's conversation with Ryan. Hey, y'all. This is Zach, the legal tech advisor here at Lawyerist. Today, I'm joined by Matt Spiegel from Lawmatics. Now, for those of you who don't know, Lawmatics is a powerful CRM built specifically for attorneys. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Always great to talk to you. Last time you were here, we talked uh, specifically about the the client journey, or, or as I think you call it, the, the path to enlightenment, right? Yep, that is correct. Help me remember here. It's uh, three phases, intake, active matter, and then former client, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, and you can think about it, and that's like, I guess, in pretty broad strokes, but the general concept being that, like, the, the client goes through a three-phase journey. I think every part of a client's experience with your law firm will fit into one of those phases. The thing that I've been thinking about lately is the relationship between a, a CRM, like Lawmatics, and a matter management system in these phases, how those two systems need to work and play well together in order to make this delightment, I guess, right? 
if you think about it in terms of if you're going to delight your client at every step of the way, then you have to be thinking about the full life cycle, right? When you think about how to delight them and, and software plays a big role in that, well, then it stands to reason that you need to have software that can handle that full life cycle. So all three phases of the journey. A product such as Lawmatics, for example, is very focused on phase one and phase three. Tax management systems, your matter management, your platforms, to name a few things like Clio or my case for Practice Panther or Filevine or Smokeball or Rocket Matter, right? Those types of mm -hmm. platforms are really great at that second phase at handling your matter management. And so it's only possible to have a platform that goes across all three of those phases if you do, in fact, have software that works together and, and can usher you through phase one, two, and three. Right, because in that intake phase, we have things like marketing or physically kind of intaking the, the people's information. And that's not something that we're dealing with in our matter management. I like to think of this sometimes as you've got client management, and that's separate from what you're doing for them individually, separate from the matters that you're handling for them. You're managing your relationship with them. I mean, that, that's literally why these are called CRMs, right? Client relationship managers. And so that first phase and that last phase are those relationship managers. And these are things, if you don't do it well, you're kind of leaving, as I would say, money on the table in a sense. You are. You get into that second phase, that practice management phase, and most people just forget about that concept of delighting or that concept of customer service. And mm -hmm. you don't realize that that practice management software that you have can actually do a lot of things to help you delight your customer during that phase. It's not just a tool that's going to help you right. manage your cases internally or handle your billing and, and all your time tracking. It can do a lot more and it can do things that, that delight your customer. And so it's important to, I think, engage that software for use as a customer service tool just as much as it is as an actual matter management tool. That makes sense. That's not necessarily something I think about all the time, but that certainly makes sense that through all of these phases, we're trying to to make sure that our clients are extremely happy. And I think getting information from one system to another, getting information flowing through that whole workflow is part of that too. It, it's making sure that when you're in that matter management phase, that you do have all your clients' information in there and you can email them appropriate things. You can send them links to the client portal. You can make sure they're interacting with your system as well as they possibly can. In my head, like even you know more so than that too is all that is exactly dead right. On top of it, that like what you also want to have is a seamless process, right? So you want to have systems mm -hmm. that talk to each other. For example, you might finish the intake process and you've collected all this information because your intake platform is going to have all the custom forms to capture all the information that you need about someone's case, right? But then as soon as they hire you, now you've got to transfer all that information into your practice management system. And you don't want to have to go through and you know type all those fields out again. That is a nightmare. Having a software that actually integrates with your practice management platform is really a critical piece to the puzzle. And it does give you that feeling of now having almost one platform that handles everything from end to end. Because again, they're tightly integrated and you don't have to worry about a lot of manual labor to get data from one to the other. Because we're trying to make sure that this goes as easy as possible. And just as a plug, Lawmatics integrates with a lot 
of these practice management platforms. And so if somebody wants to learn more about that, they can visit lawmatics.com and click on get a demo in order to, to learn more. Thanks for being with me. You're always a wealth of knowledge on all of this stuff. So I, I appreciate you being with me. Thank you, Zach. Always a pleasure. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here on this podcast. A little bit about myself. I am a coach in Lawyerist Lab, which I love doing and really working with some exciting lawyers across the country, helping them build their practices. And my day job is I am the founder and attorney and CEO of Connecticut Trial Firm. And in 2020, Law Firm 500 named us the 10th fastest growing firm in the country, largely in part by implementing the principles that I've learned through Lawyers Lab and other business strategies. Very cool. Congratulations. I didn't know about that 10th fastest growing firm in the country. That's amazing. It's, it's quite a thing. And it, it's fun because, I mean, you actually like submit your tax returns. So there's some level of objectivity to it. Yeah. No, very cool. I'm so glad to have you back on the show and for us to have a chance to kind of dive in and discuss business strategy. Cause I feel like this is something that lawyers hear and they probably like run the other way. I think you're right, Stephanie. I know you're right about the running away, but I think you're right about the, I don't know what it is. Maybe we should start by demystifying it. When you hear the words business strategy, and there's a lot of components to it, but what do you tell people? What is a business strategy? Lawyers tend to complicate things, a lot. I think that's why people go into law or it's necessary in the practice of law. But it's really not that necessary in terms of the business of law. And so one of the first things that I do is I, I always use two analogies, and one of which is that imagine that you owned a restaurant. Imagine that your law firm is a restaurant. And if you were talking to a restaurant owner, how would they view your law firm? And how does your law firm operate differently than a restaurant? And when I say this to people, I'm like, nobody would expect that the head chef is also the server, is also the bookkeeper, and that you are serving amazing Chinese food and amazing Italian food. You're also the server. Like, no restaurateur would run a business like this. But lawyers do, or lawyers try to do this sometimes. The other thing that I talk about, which really relates to vision, which I know is something that we talk about a lot, is Vision is pretty simple. I always say, like, when you are planning a vacation, that is vision work. Where do you want to go? That is the question that you must answer if you are looking to have a vacation. And the same is true for your business. Where do you want to go? And then work backwards. I love that. It's so simple. And I agree. And as a person who was married to someone who owned a restaurant, that analogy works with me. Although every once in a while, there were times where he might have washed some dishes or done some things, but that was usually not the goal. Um, you, you, you have to do those things. But as part of a, a, a functioning restaurant, it's like you do it much differently than how I started my law firm and how many lawyers that I've worked with run or start their firms. I think when we're talking about business strategy, right, it's kind of the combination of those two things that you just said, like, where do you want to go? And then what are the things that you need to put in place to actually allow your business to get there? 
And I mean, really, that's all a business strategy is. It's, it's just a plan. It's thinking about who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. Like in your analogy, what kind of food do you want to have? And what do you want the atmosphere to feel like? And it's kind of putting together all those big picture ideas, but in a way that allows us to actually see it and then make a plan to implement it. That's exactly right. And in, in, in the vacation analogy I use, before we had children, my wife and I were like, we're going to take one last trip before we have kids. And we're like, do we go to Iceland or do we go to Napa? We really want to go to both of those places, right? But these are very different places, geographically, in every which way. It's hard to think of two different places than Napa and Iceland. But it's like you have to make that decision. And you have to say, okay, I'm going to go to Iceland, which is where we did. And then you start saying, well, what do I need to pack? What am I going to do when I'm there? What do I need? And you can't be thinking, you can't be on the plane to Iceland, or you can't be in Reykjavik, or you can't be on a glacier and saying like, well, what about Napa? <laughs> it's, it's, it's making that choice and realizing in your business, like on your vacation, that by doing something, you are excluding other things. And that is okay. I think one of the things that probably where this kind of gets tripped up for lawyers is they know they want to go someplace. They just think, well, I want to practice law. I want to kind of do the thing I was doing before, maybe if they were already practicing at a firm. And they just assume all the other details, I think that that they'll just come or maybe they'll, they'll deal with them later. I mean, what do you see in, in terms of the attorneys that you're coaching? Because oftentimes when people come to lab, I think they have some ideas about what they want their business to be, but they haven't really thought through all the details. Is that what you're seeing in your coaching calls? Yeah. Absolutely. I tell people, I, I went to, I worked with Lee Rosen. I went to a workshop with him and Lee said, and it's so, it's so true, which is that the best lawyers have the clearest vision. And I said, in terms of business and, and I said, okay, so they know what they want to do and all these sorts of things. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, they can see who is in what seat, how much revenue is being made, what their office looks like. They can see this five, 10 years down the road. They can see the changes in the market. And it's very clear to them when you talk to somebody who's operating at a very high level that they have a very, very clear vision, like it is in focus. And that's a skill and that's a lot of work. But doing this work and doing the work that we're talking about today is the work that separates really a lawyer from a business owner. I think you're right. And so when you think about doing that work, how do you even get started? Because I think that's where a lot of lawyers get tripped up. And I see this when they come to us is they're like, all right, I have some ideas and I think I know where I want to go, but how do I actually get that clarity and have all those details figured out? Because I'm also, by the way, putting the car together while it's going 50 miles per hour down the interstate and practicing and handling cases and, and doing all the other things that are getting thrown at me. I understand that predicament totally. I have lived it, the building the plane while you're operating it. I think for me, though, when, as I coach, and even as I, I think about my own medicine, as I work through my own issues, I always ask people on coaching, I'm like, what I need you to do is really dream without limitation. What I see is lawyers defeat themselves. Like they say, like, that's not possible. I couldn't do that. It couldn't ever be that way. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're thinking, where do we want to go on vacation? And I'm telling you, you can put a pin anywhere on a map and 
you can work backwards and figure out how to get there. I think that the biggest thing is when you're doing vision work, be honest and don't limit yourself. Your vision could be you want to have the biggest national estate planning firm ever. Or your vision could be I want to be the best lawyer in my small town and I just want to handle cases for people in my small town no matter what legal issues that they are. Very different vision. But be at peace with it and don't say I could never do that. When you did your vision work, when you put together your business strategy, what did that process look like for you? Did you have like an aha moment or were you very intentional? I I feel like part of your vision came when you were on vacation, but maybe I'm misremembering part of your story. What did that look like for you? That's like a perfect thing, right? Because when I was on vacation, I was reading the Steve Jobs book and I had a few too many, I guess, Goombay smashes or gin and tonics down in the Bahamas. I was like, I can do more than just be an associate. And I texted a friend. I said, hey, do you want to start a law firm? Like out of the blue. And it was like, hey, we're going to start a law firm. And then we started talking. We're like, hey, I'm friends. You're friends. We both know a lot of people. We'll make it go. We'll be young, hip, cool. We'll do all these different things. And that was the extent of it. And that firm, within a year of opening, fell apart. My former partners are are very successful in their own right. And we're all happy and for each other. That's all sorted itself out, and they're very, very successful. But we had no common vision. We never did the vision work. And as I look back, the way we failed was by not ever doing the vision work. As my firm now became a thing, I knew that I had to do that work. I was very, very intentional. And again, I read a lot of things about this. I did exercises. I thought about it. I listened to podcasts like lawyerists. And what I did is I sat down. With my partner, we read the first, I think it's like 80 pages or so of traction, and we did the vision planning worksheet. And it took a long time, but we did it intentionally over a period of days. And oftentimes, this is the very first work that we have our labsters do when they come. When you join our program, when you join the lab community, sometimes people have done that work. And so we just do a quick review of it and make sure it's solid and where we want it to be. But for a lot of firms, they haven't done this work. Maybe they had the vacation aha moment after however many beverages, and they're like, let's start a firm. And now they're like, wow, maybe there's something to this visioning. And so if they've never done it before or if it's not kind of where they want it to be now, we actually give them a process and we give them the questions to answer and the worksheets to fill out. And we say, go somewhere. If you have a partner, go off with your partner. Otherwise, go someplace that inspires you and really think through the answers to these questions. And then I think the other hard part that I tell everybody is, but you can't get stuck on it because lawyers are also perfectionists. I can say this because I am. And sometimes I've had people want to spend two or three months crafting the most amazing vision that captures everything. While that is important, like we got to keep working too, right? So I always tell people it's going to be crafted over a series of months and maybe even years because things will get refined as you're like walking or singing in the shower one day. But we got to get that meat of it down in, in, in at least the first couple of weeks. And so it sounds like you guys did that and you did that visioning work. Then I think the other component of the strategy that comes up is then, okay, so I created this vision. Now what? So let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. 
Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Support for today's episode comes from rankings.io, a search engine optimization agency working exclusively for personal injury law firms. Simply put, Rankings.io helps personal injury law firms dominate first page rankings. You'll never have to chase them for an update or hunt them down for an answer. Your clients expect you to be accessible, and Rankings will meet that standard for communication and transparency. You'll have a full team of SEO specialists fighting to put you at the top of the Google search results. Personal injury lawyer SEO is all they do, so all of their processes, playbooks, and people are completely focused on generating qualified cases for your firm. Best of all, you'll be one of an elite few. Delivering exceptional service and results requires focus, so Rankings.io carefully vets clients before accepting them. They're an ideal fit for growth-oriented personal injury law firms. To see if you're a fit, visit Rankings.io forward slash lawyerist to get started. It's hard to keep up with trends when you're rushing to court and helping clients but new cases hinge on topping the results page. You need a marketing partner to keep you informed and your firm growing. That partner is Postali, and you should know about Google Local Service Ads. LSAs connect you with folks searching for nearby legal services. LSAs show up at the top of the page, higher than maps and other listings. And the best part, you only pay if you're contacted through the ad. Appearing when somebody searches for lawyers near me has never been easier or more affordable letting you focus on the law. LSAs are a great addition to existing PPC efforts or a standalone initiative. Quickly initiated by the Postali team, LSAs and a partnership with Postali can get your firm where it belongs. To learn more about LSAs and Postali services, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist and reach out for a free consultation. All right, so I'm back with Ryan. We've got our visioning work done. Ryan, we have this idea of where we want to go on vacation or what kind of business we want to build. And then what are some of the other components of a business strategy that people need to start putting in place to actually make this vision a reality? You mentioned a great point, which is this isn't cut in stone. Like This isn't something that you have to deviate. In fact, I would suggest to anyone out there that vision work is ongoing. It requires maintenance and effort and thought throughout your operational existence. It's not set in stone. But what I think you start doing is you start saying, you set your big goal and you say, well, what are the things that I need to do to get that goal? What do I need to bring into place, right? The answers to these things are always the same because you need to have the marketing systems in place. If you're a restaurant and nobody knows about you, that's a problem. You need to build out the systems the operational systems, any sort of automation, any sort of how-tos, knowledge base, that needs to be built out. Staffing also needs to be built out because you're probably going to need help on where you want to go and your organizational chart comes in. 
And also finance. How are you going to pay for this? How do you make it work financially? Because if you can't make it work financially, then everything else fails. We sort of look at things. We do strategic mapping and we do mapping. Now we do it over a period of two years. Initially, it was one year, but it was like, okay, let's break it down quarter by quarter. And let's see what the pieces, the people in the systems and the finances are that we need to do to get where we want to be. Yeah. And then let's align those things because then we're working with our digital agency and we're saying, here, here's where we want to go. And here's what we want to do. Can you help us along the way? Can you identify opportunities for us and make the whole thing go? Awesome. I think that's so important. And and one of the things you said there that I love is that you're now working at like on a two-year clip. I was just on a coaching call with a lawyer and he had created a 10-year vision, which I'll be honest, lawyerist has done in the past too. It's like, okay, where do we want to be in 10 years? And that's great. And I think that can be kind of a fun exercise just to kind of put a number out there to kind of have this idea of where you want to go and, and where you want to grow. But then when it comes to the execution, it it's very hard to align short-term goals sometimes with 10-year vision too. What we have found is we kind of work off a three-year plan now. So we have these ideas about 10 years, but it's just super out there, right? But three years from now, and like in your case, two years from now, that feels more tangible. It feels more definitive and attainable to say, okay, this is where we want to be in three years. What are the things that we would need to accomplish between now and then for this business to look like this in three years time? For us, it was the two years. It just made it come into focus even more. It made what we had to do even more clear to us. It's one of these things where it's just like, you're going to Iceland. Okay, we're going to go to Iceland. Well, you're going to need rain gear. Like you're going to need like waterproof shoes. Like if you're going in the winter, you're going to need a really good jacket. And figuring those things out, it's really not much different than vacation planning. So you mentioned this idea of ongoing visioning work and ongoing planning work. What is your cadence? How often are you revisiting these things? Because what we do is we set quarterly goals. We set our KPIs, like you talk about in uh, the small firm roadmap. We set those goals quarterly based upon how far we are progressing towards on our two-year strategic plan. So these things pretty much align one-to-one. And obviously, there can be some variation on those things. Like there could be changes. We could say, add a practice to ours. And maybe if we bring on a lawyer that brings on 100 cases, our goal of generating 75 cases for the quarter makes no sense. So we adjust accordingly. But I think 90 days is, is our goal. Yeah, same. That's what we do, too, at our team. And, and it really works well. I think a quarter is enough time to really execute and get some projects moving forward. And there are some projects, like you said, that might take two or three or four quarters to actually complete the project, but you're kind of checking in and and scoping those down a little bit smaller chunks so that you're constantly moving and and moving that process forward. Ryan, you mentioned KPIs, and we talk about KPIs a lot in the book, and I think there's a whole section on it, and we even have some tools on the website for insiders to start thinking about financial KPIs that they need to put in place. What advice you have for someone who's just starting? And I feel like you and I've talked about this a lot recently. We have a tendency to want to come up with a lot of numbers and start tracking them. And sometimes that can be overwhelming or even noisy. So I'd love to hear what advice you have for lawyers who haven't been tracking much data on their business before 
how should they kind of start that process of thinking about KPIs for their business? In, in today's world, you can drill down on data, or at least I can. If you do software as a service, you can drill down almost by phone call or keystroke. So knowing things and know if where to look is pretty easy, right? And But a lot of that data is not key data. Like it is not the number of phone calls that your receptionist gets. It's something, but it's not the thing at the end of the quarter that's going to drive profit or loss. I am so simple when it comes to KPI. I have three of them for my firm. And we share them with the team. They get posted every day in our Slack channel and update as to our goals. Because I look back and I say, what are the real core functions of what I am doing? It, where am I going to be happy in 30 days? I just set it as, for me, for the firm, it is files opened, files closed, and five-star reviews. Those are the three things, which is generating business, closing business, and making people happy and getting them to leave a review. Those are the three core things that I really focus on. And I know if I get enough of those things, everything else will take care of itself. I love that you were able to whittle it down to three. I feel like that's hard for a lot of people. Was that just kind of trial and error? And did you adjust or how did you come up with those three? Well, it was trial and error because initially it's like you can get into data and you're like, well, time on desk and average case value and average this. There's a million different ways you can get data. And I said, but is any of that really key? And I know time on desk for an injury firm, we work on all contingency, equates the cash flow. So the faster we can move our cases, the better, right? But at the end of the day, I, I, I think to myself, if I were on Mars and I could only know three things about what happened in my firm today, if I knew files opened, files closed, and reviews, I would have a pretty good idea as to how we're doing. That is key data to me. The other trap I see lawyers get into, because again, they get excited and I, I understand. And they're like, oh, I I get it now. I'm going to manage with data and I'm going to have all this information. And so I've seen where people have created these massive spreadsheets where they're trying to track all this information. It almost takes them like a month to complete the spreadsheet. Well, that's not very useful because what are you actually doing with that? If you're spending all your time collecting the data, that's actually not going to be helpful for you in making business decisions moving forward. So I love that you've simplified it. And that's what I would tell people. If you're just getting started with KPIs, think about your goals for the quarter. And then what are the key numbers that you could use to see? Are you, you know, trending towards those goals or exceeding them? Or, or do you need to be making actions and making changes, because that's the other key, is the whole goal of these KPIs is to give you information so you can act, so you can pull a lever. So I suspect that if you saw, you know, files opened, be at zero for some period of time, you're not going to just sit on that information, right? You're going to be telling your team, hey, we need to change some stuff to get things happening. Exactly. And those three things, as simple as they are for my firm, are the, the sort of triple, hey, we're not closing files. Why aren't we closing files? Let's look at where our cases are stuck. And again, we can drill down and do that stuff very fast and very easily, but I don't need to look at it on a daily basis. The daily numbers that I get, open, closed, reviews. 
I hope some people who are listening will start tracking this data and start thinking about their firm and putting together a business strategy. We're kind of spending our summer talking about the small firm roadmap and really diving into it as a book club discussion for our insider group. If you're listening and haven't done that, you can still follow along. And this week we're talking about chapter seven, which is all about business strategy. In the book, we kind of break it down really simply and we say, look, a good business strategy is simply your defined vision and values, long-term goals that are ambitious, important, clear, and shared by all, your ideal clients, a documented business model that you're aware of the trends that are happening in your market, KPIs, and then a competitive analysis to determine your marketing strategy. So we didn't touch on all those, but we touched on a lot of them. And I hope that people listening get a concept of where to start and what this thing is that everyone's talking about. And I hope you see how impactful it can be to, to change your business. I think hands down, you would agree that there's no way you're the 10th gro- fastest growing firm in the country without a business strategy. That seems so obvious. To say. It, it, it is obvious, but th- th- there's one last thing I, I do want to touch on, which is that this kind of work, this kind of vision work, it's like a great meal. It is best if it is shared, all right? I would not be where I am without working with great coaches like you and others who can help identify where I'm stuck and can help guide me and can and, and can help push me in some ways where necessary because it can be very hard to see when you're in it alone. And it's something that I, I engage with, with the help of others. And sometimes the beliefs that you need to change are the ones between your ears and that's work that you have to do. It always helps to have somebody along for the journey with you. That's so true for all of us. I mean, even the coaches, right? Like coaches have coaches. I have a coach. And yesterday I was in a coaching session coaching an attorney and I stopped and thought to myself and I was like, huh, I need to listen to that advice. I just gave that person or that thought that I just gave that person. I was like, oh, I'm struggling with a similar thing in my business right now. I always feel like I take away so much from the coaching sessions from all perspectives, which is why I love, and that's the whole point, right? Business isn't supposed to be done alone. You can grow. Everybody, what's that? All ships rise with the tide. Is that the same? Yes. Rising tide lifts all ships. There you go. Ryan, thanks for being back with us today. I loved this. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. (laughs) 